the reason why the light bulb moment was learning the following concept. And that concept is landlords make money while they sleep. And that to me was like, how the hell do you make money while you sleep? Because I'm here waiting tables. I'm here bartending. I had two jobs. I was in university studying two degrees and I had no social life. I was always a grinder, always a worker, but like there was no social life. So that's, I mean, why, why, what's the point of having money if you don't have the freedom, the time to do what you want to do um, and spend it with who you want to spend it with? That's the real luxury. Always do more than what you get paid to do. And your, your results, your compensation, your health, your everything is going to have to do with the value that you bring to society and to yourself. Hello and welcome to The Agent Podcast with your host, that's me, Raymond Shulseth. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Agent Podcast. Today I'm here with my buddy Matthew out of Canada. Matthew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Ray. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, man. So first question I always ask, it starts the conversation, why real estate? Why real estate? Um, So real estate... It's, it's funny because I was working a couple of part-time jobs when I was uh, 16, 17, 18. And you guys have a place that we no longer have here, but it's called Johnny Rockets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we had only a few locations here. That was my one of my part-time jobs. And I was uh, waiting tables. I was cooking. I was doing all these kinds of things. Slowly got into university and right out of high school. And I just kind of came to this realization one day, like, how do people survive off of like a $30,000 income. And at the time, like you're, you're just, you're not really earning much when you're in school. You're just trying to kind of trying to pay for bills, pay for tuition. I had zero financial help uh, from my parents. They actually immigrated here in the mid eighties separately from a couple of uh, socialist regimes. And they met here in Canada, in Toronto, they got married and had my brother and I. So I had zero financial help from them going throughout my life and school and whatnot. And when I realized that uh, you're not able to survive off like a a $30,000, $50,000 salary, and this was like 12 years ago, so it's even worse now, but uh, with inflation, but definitely over uh, 12 years ago, that was kind of my thinking. And I had always dabbed into like mutual funds, high interest savings account. Like I got into it very, very early. And by high interest, I mean like 1% at <laughs> President's Choice Financial. And it was like, yeah, it's, it definitely doesn't even outpace uh, inflation. So I started learning about uh, stocks. I started learning about real estate. Stocks were definitely not for me. I, I don't like the fact that there's no control, the volatility, there's no leverage and all these different benefits, tax incentives that come with real estate. So I learned about real estate, but I was 17 and 18 years old learning about real estate and YouTube wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And there were certainly no podcasts at the time. And I was just going around to different realtors and walking into different builders, sales offices, talking to the realtors, talking to the people that were on site and just learning more about real estate. That's, that's how I learned. And by the time I was 19, I felt comfortable enough to invest in a pre-construction condo. And in Ontario, I'm not sure how it is in other provinces, but in Ontario, that's where we are. It's a very safe investment. Uh, Your monies are protected by the government. You don't need a mortgage right away. Chances are the project is going to get built in a few years, which in this case took three years to build from the time I purchased it. All I needed was $15,000 to get in. And part of that was actually my student loan because 
a lot of the younger audience that members that are going to be listening or watching to this have to understand whenever somebody throws money at you, like a government or a bank, like they're expecting you to spend it so they can earn interest and make a profit. And at that time, when you're in school, they throw more money than you actually need. And hence why, because of the lack of financial literacy, what are you going to do? You're going to spend the money on stuff that doesn't matter. You're going to party. You're going to get a car. You're going to do certain things that really don't matter. And then as a result, people end up in student debt. So I took part of that student loan. I had a little bit of money saved from the restaurant and I put it as a deposit into my first pre-construction condo. And the, the reason why the light bulb moment was learning the following concept. And that concept is landlords make money while they sleep. And that to me was like, how the hell do you make money while you sleep? Because I'm here waiting tables. I'm here bartending. I had two jobs. I was in university studying two degrees and I had no social life. I was always a grinder, always a worker, but like there was no social life. So that's, I mean, why, why, what's the point of having money if you don't have the freedom, the time to do what you want to do um, and spend it with who you want to spend it with? That's the real luxury. So that's where the light bulb moment happened. And then I got licensed as a realtor. And that brings us uh, 10 years later to where we are today. So why real estate? The answer is because landlords make money while they're asleep. That was it for me. That was as simple as that. Okay, so can we unpack that a little bit? How did you realize or how were you so progressive in your thinking at that young of an age to be thinking about that stuff, right? Because most people don't. There is no way the majority of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22-year-olds that I know are thinking about that stuff. So where did that come from for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the earliest moment I ever had of some sort of principle relating to business would be when I was like trading like Pokemon cards when I was young, like really young. <laughs> and uh, I still have my cards actually, but uh, I don't trade them anymore. But it's it's definitely fun. It's to okay. Look at. We're not judging you, bro. It's all good. Hey, Pokemon is popular. Never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay. My house is full of Pokemon cards, man. I got a 12-year-old yeah, yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you know, you learn the principles of negotiating, like during that time, it's kind of like very subconscious. You're not doing it purposefully. Uh, but my parents, when they came to the country, uh, as typical immigrants, they just got into business. They, they didn't have, they were very well educated back where they were like from, but that those credentials didn't get transferred over. So they had to work like right away. And, and they got into the convenience store business. They didn't know each other at the time, but they both got into the same business of oh gosh, convenience so stores. Funny. Yeah. And um, it's actually very funny because today, fast forward, I'll backtrack a little bit, but they're actually selling their their business today. It's closing today. And well, uh, well, well, I know it's never done till it's done, but a forward looking congratulations. Right. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And so basically they got into those types of businesses. And when they met, they got married. They tried their hand at a few businesses. They had a coffee shop. They had a breakfast place, I believe. They had a few different convenience stores in different locations throughout uh, Toronto and different major cities here. And they just didn't work out. None of them worked out. They were constantly, constantly selling them for a loss or just closing the door. Um, even up until recently, like 2015-ish, same thing. We had to close the door on, on one of them. So they ended up stumbling across one particular location that was under an apartment building. And that did really well for them. And that's the one they're selling today now after so many years. But we used to, the reason I'm sharing that with you is my brother and I, 
We used to join them when they would go to wholesale stores and purchase items in bulk so that they can resell them for a profit. So here we have things like cash and carry. Um, you guys have Costco there, uh, Sam's Club, those kinds of stores where they can buy in bulk and sell for a profit. That would be our, our weekends, our Saturdays. We'd go to these stores. We would, uh, funny enough, they would also sell like the decks of Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Our parents would reward us by giving us like a pack of cards. And then after that, we'd, we'd spend time with them like at Chuck E. Cheese or, or something like that. And those those kinds of um, old school principles of of working hard doesn't matter if, if it's during the week or the weekend. Like those things were always like, I saw that in my parents, even not knowing like where that would take me. But I saw that in my parents. I knew I never wanted to be in the convenience store business. That wasn't for me. And my brother and I are born here and our parents always wanted us to chase opportunities here that they didn't have. So when that concept came to me of landlords make money while they sleep, it was, as you can imagine, like a mind-blowing like revelation that never was exposed to me. So uh, when I learned about that, and I learned about uh, you buy a property, you rent it out, and a tenant, someone else, who can't or may not want to buy a property, but they need a place to live, will pay you every month. That's when I said, wow, that's that's a new concept for me. And, and you know, I didn't know things about tax incentives relating to real estate. I didn't know how equity works. I didn't even know how to qualify for a mortgage. No idea about the different types of real estate, but I just understood that simple concept. And when money's coming in typically every month, and when your property over time is appreciating, and with the money that the tenant is giving you, your loan that you took out on that property is getting paid down. That's that's a beautiful combination. It's a winning combination. And that that for me was that whole landlords make money while they sleep concept. I love that. Yeah. There's a, there a lot there, right? There's so much value that you were given from your family, just having that exposure and being around it, you know, like... I have five kids, you know, so I go through all these different thoughts on a regular basis. And of course, they're all individual, unique humans with their own skill sets, their own personalities, their own expressions, their own strengths, their own weaknesses. And I'm always asking myself the question, like, what can I pay forward to my kids? You know, like, what is the one thing that I can give them? And at this juncture in my life, the the one thing that I want to give them is the ability to figure out how to generate passive income. For themselves. And in today's world, it can be a lot of different things, right? It could be a course they create. It could be an NFT collection. It can be real estate. And my vote will always be real estate because real estate never goes away in any market. The only thing that changes is the game you're playing, right? Yeah. You know when to buy and hold, you know when to flip, you know when to sell, you know when to acquire, whatever, you know, buying foreclosures, short sales, like all these different things. You can build whatever lifestyle you want in the real estate business, which is the beauty of it. But for you, like hearing your story and hearing you share that exposure, I can see how that translates to where you are today and looking at your business model. And if it's okay, I'd like to dive into your business model a little bit. Yeah. One of the first things I noticed about you is you're like vertically integrated not like most people, right? You're like a real estate company or a mortgage company, you're an insurance company. How did you get there? And how does that operate? And what does that look like for you? Yeah, so when I first bought my condo, when I was 19 years old, I 
had walked into the real estate sales office there and the broker of record, the owner of the company was the one who um, actually showed me the condo project that I bought into. And it just happened so that I walked in on a day where he was the only one there out of 200 agents. And he was the one showing it to me. My parents weren't involved in the decision. Um, I hadn't brought them in on that. We were very family oriented, but I had brought an agent to talk to me about a different project that I had showed uh, interest in. And I showed my parents and they invited him over our home. He sat us down, spoke to us about it. When he left, my mom said to me, it's good, but just save your money, save your money, let your money build. So I didn't buy anything. So then when that agent a month later called me and said, oh, you should have bought the prices went up 15, 20 grand. That was like all the money in the world to me. And that kind of lit a fuel, uh, a little flame in me that said, I'm going to buy something and I'm not going to involve my parents. At the time, I was angry. Fast forward now, uh, many years later, after doing a lot of personal development and self-reflection, my parents left everything they owned back home. They, they locked the door. They didn't sell their furniture. They buried their family photos or burned them so they could never be traced. And the only thing they took with them was the jewelry that they had some necessities and they wore all the jewelry. And by the time they made it to Canada, they had no more jewelry because that's how you would bribe people to, to let you in or do certain things or barter with people, I should say. So I learned that they want to hang on to everything they have here as tight as possible so they don't lose that again. And it's an emotional both, connection, right? Like huge. it is this emotional need to have that. Yes. And so I didn't understand it at 19, but I understand it now. And what I did was, it lit, the good thing is it lit a, a flame in me where I ended up going to this uh, sales office, this real estate office, and I met the owner and I looked at the, I knew the condo I wanted because I had received an email from them. I saw the floor plans already. And I said, I want this one. I said, but I'm not going to negotiate the price with you. I go, probably I could, but I'm not going to do that. And I just need you to provide me with a payment plan for the deposit. And I can give you 15 grand in six months. I already had the 15 grand, then another 15 grand in a year. And then the last 10%, which is 30 grand, I can give you whenever I get the keys. And like I said, in Ontario, pre-construction projects take a while to really get constructed. So he looked me up and down and, and at the time, no beard, skinnier, <laughs> now the baby, right? And uh, he said that, he goes, you, you have checks? I said, yeah, I got checks. He's like, you... Uh, are your parents going to like come with you? Like, what, what are we doing here? And I said, no, my parents are not involved. He's like, you go get me checks and come back and, and we'll do a deal. So I, I shook, I, I put, put out my hand. I said, and this is a very old school Italian businessman that I'm talking to. And I am very prominent in our community. I didn't know that. So I said, if you shake my hand, I'm old school. That means we have a deal. I'm going to come back with the checks. So he shook my hand. Now, I went up the street to the, one of our banks here. And I said, listen, I don't got checks. I need three checks. What can we do? And at the time, the Royal Bank of Canada would give you temporary checks with, associated with your account if you needed two or three of them. So they gave me the checks. I went back to the office. He said, oh, you're back. And I said, yep. And we did the deal. And I told him, I said, I'm going to get my real estate license. So when you get your real estate license, come see me. And that's what I did. So I got licensed shortly thereafter. And I got into the business with this gentleman and I learned a lot of things throughout my career there. I never jumped ship. I was very loyal. I learned as much as I could 
in the seven years I was with them. But in my first year of real estate, I was losing uh, deals because of mortgage financing. I didn't know any brokers. I didn't even know what a broker was, a mortgage broker, because I was licensed as a realtor at 19. Like I was still in school. You could imagine like how fresh I was and green I was. So I didn't have any connections in the mortgage side. Didn't even know that there was such a thing as mortgage agent or broker. I thought you'd have to go to a bank directly. And uh, we had no connection. So every time I'm, uh, my client is, is talking to somebody at the bank and they're not able to help them, the deal's dead. We have no deal on the real estate side. And I said, there's, there's obviously, there must be an easier way. Like, well, like what's going on? And so I, I learned about mortgage agents. I learned about mortgage brokers. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to offer that service to my buyers. I'm not going to advertise as a mortgage broker if I get licensed. I don't want people to confuse what it is I'm great at and what it is I'm focusing on, which is real estate. But I am going to offer that service to my buyers and I'm going to figure out a system that uh, makes the most sense. So that's what I did. I got licensed. I joined the mortgage brokerage and I worked out a deal with the owner where I said, I'm going to refer you my buyers. These are done deals. These are people who have bought. I'm in control of the deal. And all I need you to do is, is prepare the mortgage for them. Tell me what you need and I'll, I'll gather the documents and whatever. You just prepare the mortgage. And so we had a really good system uh, taking place. And then fast forward a few years from, from that point on, I said, I want to launch something bigger than myself. I don't want to uh, use my name, Matthew Ablican. I don't, I don't want to base it off of my name. I want to base it off of a company, a, corpora- a corporation I can sell one day and like a sell- build a sellable business. So have the exit in mind. And I said, uh, I'm going to take some time to really think about it. So I came up with all these names and nothing really seemed to be uh, vibing well. And the name wasn't available. And then I just started watching TV. And I remember seeing a President's Choice commercial. And I said, because I worked backwards. I said, you know, who's going to be my target? I'm a millennial. Millennials, it's, it's a good play on marketing. And I said, I want a name that's going to be generic amongst all the companies. Even though everybody told me, don't do that. If one company fails, you're going to sink the ship. I said, I'm going to go all in. So um, millennials, I worked backwards and I, I had the idea of millennials, something realty, millennials, something mortgages, something like that. And that something was missing. When I watched TV and I saw President's Choice commercial, I said choice. I go, President's Choice. Oh. Yeah. I said, let me look it up. So I looked up Millennials Choice. Everything was available. I, I, I registered the name. I got trademarks. I actually own a trademark in the US as well, just in case in the future we plan on doing some work out there. But I do have Millennials Choice uh, registered in all of Canada, in the US. And the only thing I had to secure was the domain, which was already secured by one of these companies. And they sold it to me for like a couple hundred bucks, which was peanuts. And um, that was it. That brings us to today. And, and we brought on the insurance services, again, just to better complement our clients. So our focus is real estate. That's the core pillar. These other services are promoted just amongst our clientele. So you became vertically integrated to solve your own problem and serve your customers better. Where does branding come in, right? Because everything you just described to me is like the basics and long-term thinking for branding. And you know what? Any quote unquote, good company, good agent, good person should do for themselves as a brand coming to market. Where did you get that from? Like that, that came from somewhere, right? You you didn't just open up a book and go to branding and said, Oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. So tell me about that. 
Yeah, I think um, so. So at the time, I I was into uh, some personal development that changed my life. It introduced me to um, a whole new world and a whole new mindset. And I'm very committed to that today. But I wasn't really studying business. Like I wasn't looking into business. I didn't major in that in in my career. But what I did understand, being a consumer, that I spend more on clothes and shoes because I I shop at Nike, and I like the brand. I like how it makes me feel. I drive. I don't drive a Beamer now, but when I would drive a BMW, it was a statement piece. That's it. Let's let's be. I like the car. I like how it performs great. But the reality is, it's a BMW, and that's that's uh, that's why I would get it. It's a it's a statement piece. Um, my mindset has shifted a little bit when it comes to material items uh, that I use personally now, but the principle still applies. So if Matthew Ablican is the if it's Matthew Ablican and Associates, well, what happens if Matthew Ablican is not there? Will people look at the brand differently? And the answer is yes, because Matthew's not there and it's that's the brand. The brand is Matthew. Now, for me, it was all about, okay, Starbucks. Starbucks charges higher prices for their coffee. Now, they could say they're ethically, uh, ethically sourced and, and all that. They give back and they have benefits for their staff and employees. But ultimately, they're charging you more money for a cup of coffee that you can go somewhere else and probably pay less. And it, it may not taste the same, it may not uh, make you feel as special because they don't write your name on the cup or whatever the case may be. But ultimate, ultimately, you're still getting caffeine. So for me, I understood those things as a consumer. Like I always understood sales. And so I said, okay, sales is important, but marketing is, is even more important because the, the person who's noticed them the most in your marketplace is the one who's going to really dominate most of the market share, in, in my opinion. And I said, I got to build this brand up that way. And if I have these services, it's just another answer to the question clients are going to ask me, well, how are you different from Joe Schmo down the street who's a real estate agent? And well, here's how we're different. And we, we, that, we just add that to our, our value add. And I guess the principle that really uh, stuck with me and till this day stuck, sticks with me, that's why we're getting into the digital real estate and stuff like that is something I learned from Jim Rohn, who said, yes. uh, always do more than what you get paid to do. And your, your results, your compensation, your health, your everything is going to have to do with the value that you bring um, to society and to yourself. So the value can be in the form of certifications, licenses, um, skill, knowledge. Like I'm not licensed in any area that has to do with digital real estate. But if I spend the time to learn it and understand it, then maybe I could offer it to people. Maybe I could do something in that space where people are interested in. So it's all about becoming more valuable, not as a human being. We're all valuable from the day that we're, I believe, we're conceived and, and we're born. And we're all valuable. We're all humans. We're valuable to certain people. Uh, we're valuable to um, ourselves, to our communities, whatever the case may be. But economically, speaking from a form that you can measure, how can you become more valuable? And again, the, the customers that walk into, we'll just use Starbucks as an example. They don't walk into uh, uh, Tim Hort. We have Tim Hortons over here, or in your case, Dunkin' Donuts. They don't really go to those places as often, um, if if at all. And the, creating that brand creates that community, which creates that loyalty and that following. And that's kind of where my head uh, is at with the company and the branding. I love that, man. Well, you guys are doing an amazing job. So keep it up. Thank you. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what makes you you 
what personal development that you're doing and that you think of as your life and your business moves forward, right? Like there, the cool thing about real estate is that it's a people and partner business period without people and partners, you don't have a real estate business. Yeah. You do not have a business period without people because people make the business, right? So if you take care of the people, you'll take care of the business. In this case, I want to talk about how you take care of yourself and what is it you're doing whether it's a daily ritual or a weekly ritual or a quarterly review to give you the mental clarity and direction of, hey, this is the roadmap I'm trying to trying to develop and be on. And what does that look like? Like, can you share some of that with us? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a pretty simple guy uh, in terms of hobbies. Like, just as an example, like, I don't really like to do much. I like to go out. I like the experiences, but not nothing crazy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very content with, with staying at home. Um, but I really just enjoy like the process of, of where it goes. So before I didn't in my twenties, I, I didn't really, really enjoy it. If a deal was falling through, if it wasn't closing if something was happening that would be seen as negative, I didn't like it. It would work me up and get me upset. I'm only human, but I started to realize that as I, as I, gain more wisdom, more experience, I started realizing that you really have only a few things that you can be in control of. And ultimately, it boils down to just the actions that you take. And that's all you can really control. So I don't like to exercise like in the mornings and stuff like that. Um, I, I do like to wake up pretty early. I enjoy reading. I have right now, I'm like reading three different books at the same time. I chose to be a Christian a few years ago and follow uh, Jesus Christ. I don't want to get too religious on, on here, but that's what I chose to do. And so I, I read my Bible daily. I read um, a personal development book daily. And for me, it's about how am I going to get better? How am I going to improve? And as a result, how is my business going to improve? So the one thing that I, I learned from Jeff Bezos, uh, when he always talks about Amazon, he says, um, just focus on the, all we did was focus on the customer experience. That's all we did. And if it's a very simple concept and that's kind of what we try to put forward here. So focus on the client's experience, How, what, what needs to be changed? What didn't work? What worked really well? And my next 10 years for me, the mindset I have is about scaling the business. So you could scale the real estate business. You could do it the right way. You don't have to do it the way that some of these big brands have, have done it. And uh, every agent is just a number to them. It's it's about scaling with our clients. We're in our new office. We just moved in here. This is our boardroom wall behind me. And with that, what's the point of this if we don't have people, like you said? So 95% of our business is just referrals. It's just from the last 10 years of, of um, treating our clients the best, helping them and remembering that People forget what you say, good or bad, typically, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And, you know, just something as simple as it's our client's birthday. Pick up the phone and call them. Happy birthday. Enjoy it. It's your birthday month. Enjoy it. Send them a $50 Amazon gift card electronically. Like, what does that really cost you? It's an investment into your business. They're going to remember you uh, compared to somebody else who doesn't do that. So we also do as a company, if we bring it back to my company now, I do performance reviews with all my staff uh, twice a year. So one in the middle of the year to make sure uh, the, the beginning of the year went well for them. If not, what can we fix for the remainder of the year? And then one at the end of the year to get them ready for uh, the new year. 
So there are performance reviews we do. I involve my staff in everything that we're doing. Here's what we're working on. Here's what we're going to, our initiatives are and what we're going to pursue. So it's like we're brokerages, we're independent brokerages, but we're also a team. And it's important to remember that your team members are, are people. They got their own feelings, their own attitudes, their own way of doing things and their own problems. So yeah, that's for me, that's kind of where I'm at mentally now. And the next 10 years is all about scale. How do we scale this, this model now? I love it. How big is your team? Six people. Awesome. Is, small but efficient. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, does everyone have specific jobs or tasks to do? Yeah, yeah we've uh, we went out of our way. That's another thing. Uh, you mentioned it earlier with your kids. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? So the weaknesses, I only want to find out because I just want to avoid giving you a task or putting you in a position that doesn't mesh well with you. Like I do believe in getting out of your comfort zone. But your comfort zone could be getting on a podcast and speaking to somebody. That's getting out of your comfort zone might be just doing that. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, being the person whose highest and best use is just calling people. You know, that's my highest and best use. But maybe Danny, who's on our team, that's not his, it is his best use as well. But as an example, he might listen to this and say, hey, <laughs> but he's my brother. So I get to, I get to mention him. But, uh, you know, it might not be that. And, and that's fine. Um, so I, I'm not an advocate of like pushing people completely out of their comfort zone, but I am an advocate of, of helping them improve and grow. So yeah, we try to find uh, what the best role is for you and put you into that role. And, and usually it just happens naturally if it's the right role. It, the person just kind of responds very well to it and, and they just run with it. So that's what I've been focusing. All of 2021 was actually focusing just on that, putting people in the right places. What are some things that you would like to share with all of the other real estate professionals out there? I mean, you know, mortgage, real estate, insurance, whatever. We're all real estate professionals in this business. What are some things that you can pay for that you've learned along the way? Uh, one of the things that I'm really harping on more recently is uh, I'm not afraid to kind of expose some of the industry secrets that have kept our industry valuable to the members of society. Like I. I don't think your value should come from being deceptive or, or secretive about withholding information. It's I, my, our model is completely different. Give up, give out all the information. That's why you're doing this. That's why I'm doing this. Give out all the information and you're going to attract people that want to work with the professional. And you are the professional because if you're giving out the information, if you're standing in a position of authority where you can educate and lead your clients to where they want to go, you are the expert. So it's a very rewarding business. Uh, the commissions are great. Like let's let's be real, especially when property is are, are significantly higher priced than they used to be. Your percentage typically stays the same if you can negotiate it well enough. Um, but it's also a business where uh, there's a lot of corners that can be easily cut. And it's a white lie and it's not a problem and it's it's just a small thing. And, you know, but, you know, then that white line gets farther and farther away from you and you you start to want to cut bigger corners. So I think with the with the way our industries are and with the with the responsibilities that we have, the only people that are going to be here in 10, 20 years, 30 years saying I built that or I have this successful business and a successful database that just it reoccur because your business generates cash flow too. It doesn't have to be a property. It could be a business, right? So the only people that will get to that level is if they have that long-term mindset and they don't want to cut corners. 
when things are really, really difficult, and they will be, our business is a very stressful one. And it's very emotional for our clients, as well as, you know, very financially intensive for them. They're, they're investing a lot of their monies into this type of transaction. The only people who will survive is if they have that long-term mindset, they don't cut corners, and they just put their clients first. Ultimately, that's what, that's what you need to succeed. I love, I love all of that, man, as well, well said, well spoken. What are some things or what is something I'm not asking you that I should ask you about your business that you're very, very proud of that you've built or created or, or something? The thing that I, I, millennials choice is like my, I don't have uh, children, but it's like my, my first baby. So uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it in that sense. I love the office. I love coming here. I love working. I enjoy working period. But one thing that I'm very, very proud of is my real estate portfolio. And the reason I'm p- proud of my real estate portfolio is because that real estate portfolio took me a long time to achieve, but at the same time, it's been one of the main reasons why I've also been able to expand my business because real estate, making money while you sleep, appreciation, and we've had significant appreciation in Ontario over the last like 20 years. That's been the reason I've been able to, um, again, buy a new office. That We bought this office space where in last, actually in 2020, uh, May of 2020, when COVID was kind of fairly new and it was, it was becoming mainstream, we bought it. We made that decision to buy it. And I was only able to buy that from the appreciation, the equity in one of my investment properties. Okay. So that's something I've been really, really proud of. And now more recently, I purchased a home for my family, for my wife and I, and potentially our future family. And prices over here where we live are ridiculous. Like single family, it's like 2 million bucks. Okay. So it's ridiculous. I'm, it's we're, we're, we're crazy hot right now. Um, but the only way I was able to do that is once again, uh, one of my properties, I've never sold any of my properties, including that condo that I, that I purchased the first one. I still own it, but I, I made the decision to sell one of my properties. I, I exited one of my properties. It's closing next month. Did really, really well on it. I've held it for, held onto it for eight years and it's done really well for me. It's been one of the best performing properties I've, I've owned. But it made sense for me, even from a tax perspective, to sell it. And I'm not selling it and staying out of the market. I'm selling it and, and upsizing. So it's something I'm very proud of because it gives me that freedom to do that. It gives me that freedom to go buy a home, to buy an office, to, to progress, to grow. And that's all from, from real estate. And I'm very proud of that because even last year, my, my dad said something uh, it was a limiting belief that he has, you know, he has his own limiting beliefs. And we're talking about land. And he, we don't, again, we don't come from a family that has their roots here besides from the 80s that were first generation born. I'm the first person in my entire family, cousins, aunts, uncles to be born in Canada. So we don't have people that own land and own infrastructure and stuff. We're pioneering that. And so I bought land last year, but I never told my uh, parents. And he goes, yeah, land is, is not for us. It's not for our family. It's not something that we can own. It's all the, you know, the big players own it and, and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like I didn't say anything to him and his beliefs don't impact me anymore. Um, but what I did was I took them up to an area where I have uh, several investment properties. Uh, some of them that were fixer uppers, single family, uh, multifamily, also land. 
So I took him up there, my parents and I, one afternoon, because I was going to go up by myself. And my dad said, you know, after you get married, move out of the house. It's like parents just want to spend more time with you. So my dad's like, oh, let me join you. So he came with my mom ended up joining us too, brought brought food and sandwiches and stuff, joined us. I took him to these properties. I showed them all these properties and their eyeballs were like, like wide open. And they were just so motivated on the way back. They were so motivated. They were like giving ideas. They were just saying all these things. I showed them the land. I showed them the property next door. I want to buy, assemble it, build something else. And they, they were just like something new to them, the light bulb moment. And I was so happy to be able to do that for them because I know that that kind of motivates them for their new chapter in their lives. And it was after that experience where they moved forward very quickly, selling the store, getting equity out, like doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm so happy for you guys. Cause, cause one of the things I worry about is also how we're going to take care of them in their retirement years. So yeah, it's, it's things have been going well and, it's, I'm very proud of that because our circle, our circle of people we know, clients, it started with our circle of friends. None, we're all ha- We all have similar backgrounds. None of them have a portfolio. None of them have started. So you're paving the way. You're showing people how to do it. They're investing with you. It's changing their lives and it's going to change the lives of their future, um, future generations. So it's creating that generational wealth. So I'm very proud about that. And and I guess the message to your audience is, you know, we're not, I don't have a course. I'm going to sell you guys or do anything like that, which is fine, but I don't have something to sell you. But the message is like, you can do it too. Like there's no, there's no secret sauce. There's no formula. You just got to work hard, do, do right by everybody. Don't step on anyone's toes. Don't cut corners and you can achieve that too. So now 10 years or 11 years after I've invested in my first condo, I have 24 properties, a portfolio of almost reaching $20 million. And in Canada, it's, it's a lot harder to do that than in the States uh, just because of our the way our mortgages are, the way our price points are, uh, the requirements. They, they just came out with an article yesterday. They want to make it even more difficult for investors to get into real estate here. So in, in a way to curb demand. So it's a big achievement. I'm very proud of it. And I know people can do it and, and do it better than I did. So, Matthew, that's amazing, man. Thank you for sharing that. The, uh, yeah, no problem. Going back to why real estate, is impact and generational wealth and legacy and the ability to show your parents a different way, right? Like you can't put a price or value on any of that. It's just all inside, right? Yes. So strong. Okay. I want to be conscientious of your time. I was late to the party to begin with. Thank you again. Um, I'm okay. You keep going. I'm good. Where can people find you if they want to reach out, if they want to invest, if they want to have a conversation? What's a safe place to, to get a hold of you or your team? Yeah, so it's pretty easy to access us. So I'm all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. It's Matthew Ablican. And you can follow the company as well at Millennials Choice. And um, yes, yeah, so shoot me a DM. Send me a private message. It comes straight to me on my platforms. Um, you could also visit our, our websites, uh, millennialschoice.com, matthewablican.com. And we have our very own podcast. We're going to share this episode on our podcast as well, The Millennials Choice Show, our YouTube channel, The Millennials Choice Channel. And uh, the US has been very good to me. Like I always have like this desire to be in the States. I feel like I can do so much there. And I don't know, maybe it's something in the future we're going to work on. But yeah, you can shoot me a message and, and you'll get a hold of me fairly easily. I love it. Matthew, thanks for this, man. I think we'll be doing this again soon. I appreciate you. Looking forward to it. And I want to have you on my show as well. Let's go. Ready.
Hey guys, it's Ray. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you on the next one.